0: welcome aboard i'm brad i'm eric and i'm scott welcome to my
1: ship story podcast this is a podcast where we invite crew members both past and present to tell their stories about life at sea so come up to the pool bar and grab a drink sit
0: back relax because it's time for my
2: My ship Ship
1: story Story. (laughs) that was terrible hey
3: welcome everybody it's another episode of my ship story podcast i'm your host brad Got with me, Scott and Eric. Hey, guys. Eric, what's what's going on? Anything hey. exciting?
1: Well, besides, you know, I've talked about a few episodes now about moving. Yeah. yeah. I'm still in that process. But, okay. Um,
3: got, the house, got the house sold, closed on the house and everything? Is uh, that
1: right? Yeah. The sale of my house closed. The purchase closes next week. And then next we week. move okay. in right, right after. Yeah. But did I tell you about how my um, one-year-old dog ate some of my gummies? What? Huh? Not, not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I'll mention it on, the, on and, the podcast. And I've watched that I've
3: watched that TikTok that you sent me yesterday yeah. about five times today. Just <laughs> cracks me up.
1: Oh, that, that TikTok <laughs> is so funny. My brother, when he visits, has a tendency to give me gummies. So they were in a jacket and I didn't notice that my dog got into it. And the next thing I know, I look over and the baggies all chewed up. And I'm like, oh, my God oh my God, is that the baggie that had the gummies or not? I never have any other bag like this. So I'm pretty sure that this is, he ate the gummies. So I'm not, I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? Luckily it wasn't (laughs) a ton of them, but it was still a few. And I thought he's a lot smaller than I am and it hits me pretty hard. So I'm thinking, oh man, he's going to be, he's going to be so high. Was
3: was he just sitting there looking at his paw like this, just staring at his paw?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, he was just... (laughs) He just looked up at me with, you know, it it hadn't hit him by the time I caught him. It hadn't hit him. So it was a Saturday. So the vet wasn't open. And so I found an online service that you can ask questions. And I realized that you can ask a vet a question. So it took them a little while to get me a vet, but they got me a vet and I could text him. And I was texting him quickly. Like, what do I do? What do I do? And he's like, give him two tablespoons of hydrogen peroxide to help him throw up. I thought that was weird, but I was like, okay, well, if the vet's telling me to do this, I'm going to do it. So I soaked it. I gave it to him. I took him outside I'm not kidding. Less than five minutes, he was puking. He puked quite a bit. I mean, I saw a few gummies, but I didn't see like, you know, it was hard to tell with all the rest of the stuff in there. But the rest of this happened in the afternoon, like a three or four or something like that. The rest of the day, he was so wobbly. He was just like could barely keep his eyes open. He'd like walk and he would lean to one side. Yeah, he kind of like walked like my almost 20 year old dog walks which is just like, did he bark anything away. like, roar, roar, roar. <laughs> be uh, no, no, he just was really quiet that night. <laughs> he was not like, my, you know, like he normally is. He's very rambunctious for a one-year-old, but no, he was really mellow and he just slept like a baby. And then the next day he was back to the normal self. So well, thankfully nothing serious happened. <sighs>
3: sounds good uh scott you got anything to add uh
0: well you know right before we started i i, I was uh, eating some uh, of these uh you've seen that show hot ones hot oh, ones all the hot sauce yeah. stuff. they have these limited edition pringles that are that are pretty spicy I, I totally wasn't ready for it but it got me thinking you know you you know me like i, I like to do the food challenges and i've done all of the hot and, and the one chip and the carolina reapers and all that my only food challenge Maybe I should do it on the podcast. Probably not. Like uh, no, the I only, think you should. The only one that I haven't done yet is called the uh strowman. It's the have you seen the fish? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: The the really the really the, bad the like Scandinavian fish yeah, on skin- the,
0: in the world. Oh. Yeah. Like yeah. people can't even get through the smell of it and the whole challenge is just to take a bite of it like 95 percent of the people can't even get through like opening the cans no i cannot
1: eat anything that smells bad i just cannot do it Nope. so when we
0: get together then we're gonna have to all three do this challenge on video
1: not that one i I know i won't do that one (laughs) even some of the hot ones like the i don't remember which chip it was that you posted i think it was on instagram or or tiktok of you eating that that one chip oh Yeah. That you were like crying. I was laughing my ass off because you were crying. Yeah. Your mouth was just dying and it was just really funny to watch. But I won't be doing that either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was the one chip challenge. I was seeing stars and like I uh the last one that I I can't remember when it was, but
1: the last one that I did,
0: I didn't have anything to eat all day at all. And it hit my stomach and it it didn't go good. Like I I I was started hallucinating, I was wobbly, (laughs) I felt drunk. I threw up like three times. I'm like, am I going to have to go to the hospital? Oh, God. People over 50 shouldn't do this thing. <laughs>
3: That's it. Yeah. That's all I got. Well, great. Let's get to our guest because I'm really uh, excited about this. Looking forward to visiting with this guest. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, wait. Um, I got to do a little lead in. He is a former Carnival Cruise Line employee, a former waiter, uh, best-selling author. Welcome to the podcast. Brian David Bruins. Thanks for being Thank with you. us. Thank you. Hey, hey. Thank
2: you hey, so David. much. Pleasure to be here. Nice to meet you guys. An American yeah, waiter? Likewise. What? That's part of my thing. I was the only waiter in Carnival Cruise Lines history, uh, at the time, 30-year history, that survived an entire contract without quitting.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> uh
2: I only did it because I was chasing a woman. If I had just (laughs) been there and just, you know, like I need a job, I would have been gone like that. You know, anything for love, right? So yeah, yeah, Uh, That's a lot.
1: That's a lot. Being a waiter, an American waiter, that's a lot for love, not a little. (laughs) Let
3: me get this in here real quick. Back when I first join the song of norway there was an american waiter he was a rock star because mm. everybody knew him and he made bank but he signed off not too long after i i came on and never saw him again and never saw another american waiter no, not you- not even close oh yeah. Well, yeah, wait, yeah wait wait
1: wait do you remember brad when we took our reunion cruise back a few years now they had a several american waiters now we all agree. Really? they, Yeah, they did. Yep. They had yep. several of them. And I remember this because wow. all he would do, the one waiter we talked to, he just complained all the time about he knew more than the supervisor. <laughs> and all of us, as soon as he walked away, we said, he's not no going to make it. He's going to be gone like any minute now. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know how long that we've been gone a
0: long has. time, but we haven't been gone that long.
3: No, yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, being a crew person for as long as I was, I had a pretty good gauge on who was going to make it and who wasn't. Yeah. And I was good percentage most of the time. But anyway, uh, so, uh, Brian, it sounds like uh, we've got a little bit of your origin story about... Uh, Why you decided to start working on ships? So maybe kind of elaborate on that. How you actually got got a job?
2: Yeah, because that was quite a challenge, actually. Just getting the job. Uh, My name is Brian David Brunes, and this is my ship story. It's all about love, man. It's all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's all about love. I used to have a software company when I lived in Reno, and one of my employees was from Romania. A friend of hers came to visit, hit it off right away. And it was one of those things where she was only there for three days, and every waking moment we were together, and she said, come visit me in Romania. People always say that, but... I did went head over heels in love with her over there.
3: We're in Romania because we, we've, we've we've had, had a, a few couple. Romanians.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, there's a lot of Romanians. So she's from from uh, Sigishwara, so birthplace of Dracula. Yeah, I was going to say by Dracula's heritage. castle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Dracula's uh, uh, castle uh, uh, is uh. just outside of Brasov, <laughs> but Dracula yeah, was Brasov. born <laughs> in uh, about that's two hours we're...
1: outside of Brasov.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. That's where Ramona was from. Right. Ramona Georgescu. She was from Brasov. Yeah, we
1: had yeah, somebody yeah, on yeah. who was from. Uh, Romania. like four, 45
2: minutes from,
0: from Dracula's yeah. castle or something. Yeah, yeah
2: it's yeah. – it's awesome. Brana is just outside Brasov a little bit. Yeah, and about two hours away from that is Sigeshwara, the town where Dracula was born in in 1431. So cool-ass town. Oh, my That's God. So and it looks cool. exactly like you think it would. It oh. looks exactly like it. It's amazing. It's got the towers. It's got the walls. It's got the minarets. It's got the, the – stone. It's got the iron, all of it. Anyway, so we hit it off and she had to go back to ships and my software company had just gone belly up, which is why I had three weeks off to go see her in Romania. So I said, well, I'll get a job there. She's like, well, you can't. And I'm like, I can, I can do anything. I started a company that went under, but (laughs) no. She had to pull a lot of string. But I did have happen to have 10 years experience in fine dining. She parlayed that in. And she was one of those waitresses that always opened the new ships. And at the time, this was like 20 years ago now, the Carnival Conquest was a brand new ship. And when you open a new ship, all the big wigs show up. And one of the big wigs kind of liked her. And so she really worked him hard and said, hey, this is my fiance. Get him on the ships, blah, blah, blah. So I had to fly down to New Orleans to interview with him because he's like I'm not going to just hire an American. I need to talk to this yeah. guy. I had no idea who this guy was. She just said he's important, impress him. So I'm like, okay, you know, I just I'm a good talker, and I, I, I'm I, like, I can handle being a waiter. You know, I've been a waiter for 10 years. And, and you said I'm this was like around 2000? 2000, 2002. Yeah, 2002. Yeah. 2002.
3: Okay. So you, it missed, turns out, you missed the whole 9 thing. Fiasco. I missed the whole 9-11 thing, yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, it turns out this guy who I was very informal with, it was like number five in Carnival corporations. He was the head of fleet operations. And Do you remember uh, his name? You know what's funny is I can't remember any names. In my books, I changed names so I didn't get sued, Ah, right? ah, right. And I've been talking about my books for so long, uh, I can only remember the name I put in the book, which was Mladen. His assistant, Cyrus, was the name of his assistant. And Cyrus was from India, and he just flayed me. He was like the guard dog type of pre-interview He just totally put me in my place. But then the actual guy in charge just kind of sailed in and smoothed things over. And he's the one who told me, and he asked Cyrus, who was there, do you know any Americans that have ever lasted uh, an entire contract without quitting? And they both thought about it. And they were like, no, nobody. And of course, I was like, I'll tell you what it's like in eight months. But that is the only way I could get on board. There were no channels at all for Carnival Cruise Lines to get any Americans and at first we thought maybe I can go into Canada and just do a workaround, but my girlfriend at the time.
3: So you make it on board um, which ship and what year? Well, what happened
2: actually is I was not a waiter at first. I right. was hired and probably as...
3: started as an assistant waiter, bus boy or something.
2: I... Well, no, I started as an assistant maitre d' because I had a lot of experience managing and I had my own business prior and things like that. So we made a deal where I would do my due diligence. So I went through waiter school, which was on the fantasy. And then after that month, then I went to Conquest, which was at the time brand spanking new. I I started as a waiter. uh, I'm sorry, assistant waiter for like two weeks and a waiter for like a month. And then I became an assistant maitre d' trainee. That was scheduled for my first four months was all the due diligence stuff. So I could understand how restaurants worked at sea. When the time came for me to get my stripe as an assistant maitre d, there was a turnaround in the crew. The new hotel director did not want an American. uh, He didn't want to give a stripe to an American. And he told me that to my face. Uh, He's like, you're just going to quit. Americans quit. And I'm not going to have on my record that I gave you a stripe and then you quit. He kept me as a waiter. And he's like, if you can prove to me that you can handle four more months as a waiter, then maybe And he made this hybrid position that was half waiter, half assistant maitre d' trainee. So I would wear the whites for like uh, working on the Lido and I was in charge of midnight buffet. Like that was hard. There was 30 employees, you know, and and yet I had to be a waiter at dinner every night. So it was this weird hybrid position where I had to run back to the cabin, change uniforms all the time, and uh, I would be missing meals and things like that and they were very proactively trying to push me out because they didn't want to set a precedent. They told me all of this to my face. It's not like a conspiracy theory. It was really obvious. It actually did get pretty extreme at one point. So, when I was a waiter, as you may or may not know, lots of waiters sneak extra plates of food. We have to go in early. We we go in way early so we can prep and guard our station from the roving packs of waiters that are going to steal your silverware <laughs> and all of that, right? Yep. Yeah, We've had bad. lots
3: of stories about stolen yeah. Stolen silverware.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I was. You uh, keep your spoons so or loved. something
3: in your pocket or something right. like that.
2: I, I had <laughs> I had no mafia to take care of me. I didn't have anybody that had my back. I couldn't hang with the Filipinos, couldn't hang with the Romanian mafia. So uh, I was alone. And so I had to show up. I had to miss dinner. So, of course, you know, you get extra plates through the course of the evening. You just, you know, someone's going to order an extra prime rib. So you bring an extra plate. Oh, they didn't order an extra prime rib after all. So now you got a prime rib, right? And I did that once and got caught by the hotel director. I'm sorry, not hotel director, the food and beverage manager who was in charge of giving me my stripe. And he's like, oh, well, this is what I thought. You think the rules don't apply to you because you're American. You think you're better than everybody else that you can just eat guest food. Etc. cetera, et cetera. Uh, he came to the F and B position out of the bar. And so he didn't know anything about restaurants. He had never worked in the restaurant. If I ever catch you doing this again, you're fired. So I'm like, the only reason I'm here is to be with my girlfriend. I have to tow the line. However, he changed my schedule such that I could not get designated crew meals. And he knew I couldn't get designated crew meals. And he knew I was going to have to sneak food. And it's funny because my station thereafter, for some bizarre reason, had two or three bartenders hanging out all night long. It's because he was spying on me, man. It was obvious. So I couldn't sneak food like everybody else does. At the time, I was 200... 205 pound guy. I'm 6'1". And that last month I was starving because I would not let him win because it got to the point where it wasn't just Stig versus Brian. It was very much a, can the American handle it? Can an American handle it? And I kind of took that onto my shoulders. Like, I'm not going to let him break an American kind of thing. And uh, so I refused to be caught. I had to eat, of course. So every other day I would sneak like half a pizza at midnight buffet. But I lost 30 pounds in that month, 30 pounds. I dropped to 168 or 169. Wow.
3: But I made I it. I could do that But now. I made I it. E- I don't even weigh that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I made it. And on that last day of my contract, he called in the two maitre d's on the ship and he sat, sat me down and he said, I'm not going to give you the stripe because you're going to quit. And I said, I just proved that I won't. And he's like, well, I'm not convinced. They kept me as a permanent waiter. So I came back for my next contract and that was the Carnival Legend. And I was on there for two or three months before I found a way to stop being a waiter, and I got promoted to becoming an art auctioneer. So that was a completely, oh, totally <laughs> uh, different thing. And that's an amazing story too. Uh, and, actually, and then he
0: gained 30 pounds. And, <laughs> oh
2: boy. <laughs> I was fat and happy rock
1: star and, when I, I was I, a
3: and, auctioneer. and most of it was just money in your pocket, right?
1: Oh, God, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, we all kind of know, and especially going back a few years, that if a supervisor didn't like you, even regardless of nationality, they were going to make your life a living hell, and they did yeah. everything in their power to get rid of you. And it was just one of those things on ships that you you had to either deal with or you know do as yeah. best as you can and yeah. quit because they could. They you know back then when there was no HR manager on the ships, there wasn't anybody right. you could go to that would have your back. It was like right. if you had a bad boss or a bad supervisor. I mean, it was hell, just hell back then, because yeah, you had no, absolutely. you had no recourse. And, well,
3: none, and none like whatsoever. you said, you didn't have any backup because normally, if you're a waiter in in a restaurant, there's other nationalities around that you've got your little group that looks right. out for for each other. But being being the lone nationality, you don't, you you didn't have that. Oh.
0: You know, oh, in our right. our uh, stage staff position, you know, we, there was four of us that was brand new and we took four positions from, you know, the Island guys and stuff. And so we had, you know, and then everything that we had to do was, you know, we d- we had to live below the water. We lived on the, on the same floor, you know, of the guys and stuff. And it was a battle for at least a year, maybe a year and a half before the rains were lifted a tiny bit. But the only one that we had pulling for us was the cruise director because you know we were on his his team or whatever but the right. central stores that we had to go get supplies you know they were all friends with the people that we replaced The so they kept us doing towel duty you know we work in the theater backstage and entertainment yet every morning before the crew before the tours go we had to go to the laundry to get 25 30 bags of towels for the tours and take them take to the gangway and load them on the tender or take them to the island and stuff like that. Then we right. had to go get them and retrieve them and bring them back. And, man, it was just, uh, it was horrible. The, you know,
3: yeah. w- one thing one thing I wanted to ask you, how was your birthing situation on, on the ship? Did you, were you in a four cabin? Did you just have uh, one other roommate? So how I, was that?
2: Yeah, I was in a forward cabin uh, because I was an assistant maitre d trainee. So I was with another assistant maitre d trainee.
3: But Sometimes there was just was two with, of you, not four. There was just two of us, yeah. Yeah, okay. Just okay.
2: Two. Yeah, and it was nice because we had our own bathroom and stuff, which is yeah. pretty rare, you know,
3: for that. Well, it was a newer ship, yeah. yeah well, it was ships. rare for
2: the fact that I was a waiter, and so having my own private bathroom was nice. And the beautiful thing was that uh, I was 30 feet from the open deck. I oh, could wow. just kind of tiptoe out there. And uh, lay out, like, because I worked Midnight Buffet, so it was fantastic. I could basically go out there in my underwear and nobody would see. It was nice. Uh, no, I never <laughs>
3: tried that. That's not really my style, though. Whose style the... is that other than <laughs> Scott's? Yeah. <that's>... yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so you're, you get to your second contract and you're...
2: There's a story there, actually. So when I left, they said I was going to be an assistant maitre, b- maitre d' on another ship. And uh so I came back and I was waiting in at the Marriott in Miami, There's reading Game the call sheets or Marriott. whatever. Right.
1: And uh we've after ball, like three days our time at that hotel. <laughs>
2: yeah, For after three like three
1: days, my name
2: popped up as a waiter. I was furious. And the guy that actually hired me. Works in Miami. So I. And you're not that far from
3: the headquarters. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to the headquarters.
2: The secretary was like, she's not going to see you. And I'm like, well, I'm not leaving. I have nothing to do. My ship doesn't need me for another day and a half. I'm going to wait right here. And so he very reluctantly saw me. It was funny because it was really obvious what he was trying to do. He was, you know, he was trying to play nice, but he's like, I need to have faith in my officers in the field. So if he, said that you're going to be a waiter forever. You're going to be a waiter forever. And I said, he's lying. And he's like, well, let's get him on the phone. So they got him on the phone. Uh, They were at sea. And he's like, get all the maitre d's. Everybody give your side of the story. And of course, the maitre d's were in the room with the F&B manager. So they backed him up. Um, Suresh was one of them. And Fabrice was the other one. And Fabrice admitted to me years later that uh, he threw me under the bus. That was nice of him. But anyway, because he read my book.
1: But it's uh, a little too late, but, isn't it? a little but, too I mean,
3: late. But I mean, it that is a tough position to be in when you're in the room, right. yeah. He's,
1: they're in the room, the right. guy they're in the room, yeah. I don't yeah. blame
3: them. No, so, no. the b so,
1: manager would have told him, like, you better say this absolutely your ass is, is out, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So he said, Look, I asked, him, I'm like, I can see what's going on here, and I'm like, what, what should I do? And he's like, Take the slap on the wrist, be a waiter, you know, when you're at your next ship. After a while, you can apply to become an assistant maitre d'. And uh, he's like, well, let's see what ship I'm going to give you. And he started going through this list, and he was calling his secretary. And he's like, where's X? Oh, it's over here. Where's Y? Where's Z? And he just kept going through all these, and but he kept coming back to legend. Because that was the first one he asked, where's legend? It's eight-day cruises in Bermuda right now. He didn't like that because he'd have to fly me to Bermuda. But he just kept going back to legend. And I couldn't figure out why he was so obsessed with legend until... I was sent to Legend and found out why. It was eight day cruises out of New York. And it is a really tough ship to be a waiter. New Yorkers really know their food.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And four sea days out. And they remember. really know how to complain.
2: And so when I arrived, you can imagine the maitre D was like, Oh, I know your story. He got the email. He's like, Do you have anything to say before we get started? I'm like, No, I'm just here to be a waiter, man. I, I just, I'm here to stay on ships because I'm chasing my love. She's not on this ship, but maybe I can transfer, whatever. I don't want any trouble. The assistant maitre d' on that ship, Omer was his name, from Turkey, he took a disliking to me. Really, again, the nationality thing, they didn't want an American. So, you know, as a waiter, you have side jobs, right? Sometimes your side job is to collect the tongs from every station. That takes approximately two minutes. At the end of every shift, you just go to each station, Give me your tongs, bro. There you go. Two minutes and you're done. My side job was to mop the escalators on both sides, on both decks, because it, the legend, it has uh, the kitchens below. Well, there's there's two kitchens, right? And Whatever. It, I had six escalators to mop every single night. Oh, my God. And uh, that took about an hour and a half. And I wasn't able to start until about an hour after my shift ended because all the mop supplies were being used by the kitchen. I worked 100-hour weeks for 15 weeks in a row, 15 weeks in a row, and I didn't handle it well. I started drinking, which you see on ships sometimes.
3: You started what? drinking? You hadn't
1: I started, started yet. Drinking yet. <laughs> you know, I, no. I did, but it we got sad. bad. We, we started we on the, on ships the, on the, day on the first walk. day. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's, uh, however, it was drinking that actually propelled me to becoming an art auctioneer. You know, the saying about luck is when preparation meets opportunity. This is case in point. There was I had a lunch off. So on the legend, I got one lunch off every eight days. That lunch, going to be off in port. And I told my assistant waiter, I said, I'm going to come back drunk as hell. I will make it up to you. Whatever you need, I will make it up to you. But I need this or I'm going to die. If you want money, you want whatever. Please deal with it. He was a Filipino guy. I forget his name. He was awesome. He was real. He had my back. He's like, okay, my so friend. So I, yeah. <laughs> so I showed up drunk as hell. Really, really, really drunk. And that is not my style. I am I'm a hard worker. I'm from the Midwest. I, I respect hard work. I, I and I didn't care. And I walk in and there's the Maitre D. And he's like, Brian, I have special guests in your section tonight. Okay. The hotel director and his wife, and his mom and dad, and his brother, who is a cruise director for Royal Caribbean. Uh-oh.
1: You need who, to be nice to
2: all of remember these who people. that was. You know, he you reminded me of Shaggy from Scooby Doo. I don't remember his name because it was 20 years ago. Well, we uh, probably but,
1: know we probably know him if he was a cruise director. You know, if he was been around a while, we probably did know him. But anyway. Yeah, this
2: would have been 2003. Yeah. And and I don't know what ship he was on. I just know it was Royal Caribbean and his brother was the hotel director of the uh, Legend. But his brother was American. They're both American. So I'm drunk as hell, but I took one look at this cruise director who's wearing this bright orange shirt with like red polka dots, really big. I started laying into him. I couldn't help it. I was drunk. I'm like, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. (laughs) And fortunately for me, I'm a happy drunk. I can be very, very funny, I've been told. (laughs) And so I had the table roaring with laughter and the The cruise director guy was like, what the hell, man? You're funnier than I am. What are you doing as a waiter here? You know, the hotel director was like, yeah, I've never heard of an American waiter. What are you doing here? And so I did my best Shakespeare. I am here chasing my long lost love separated by the evils of Carnival Corporation. And, you know, I I did this big emotive explanation of why I was there chasing my girlfriend who wasn't even on that ship. And of course, the hotel director's stunning wife just leaned into him. And she's like, please help this man on his noble quest. <laughs> so he's like, okay, come see me in, in my office. And so I went to see him in, in his office. He's like, you know, you're you're wasted as a waiter. You should be a cruise director. You are funnier than my brother, who's dumb. I I don't think he said that, but he, he loved to rib his brother too. And uh, so we started a thing on uh, getting me fast-tracked to becoming a uh, well, not fast track to becoming a cruise director, but switching to get into that line of work. He's like, you got to start at the bottom and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you'll rise, you're fast. You'll rise fast, you're funny. And he just liked hanging out with me. There are so few Americans. On that ship, there were three Americans that were not dancers. He's like, sometimes I just want to talk to somebody about Dukes of Hazard, man. <laughs> and I'm like, I can do that. And uh, so we were hanging out. And one day... He's like, I'm about ready to sign off on your transfer. And of course, he told everybody to sign off the transfer as well, like my maitre d' and assistant maitre d' and hotel F&B manager and all that. And he's like, you know, it's a shame that you don't know anything about art. And I leaned forward and I said, is this where I casually mention I have a degree in art history? (laughs) <laughs> and used to be an art dealer. And his eyes just went like, what? And he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, I am serious. I was
1: an animation historian for a short period of time. Oh, and wait. Well, we uh, we I do have a degree in art history. Too. We need to talk animation a little bit because my mom and aunt, especially my aunt, worked at Disney feature animation for, mm. I don't know, 20, 30 years. And I actually spent three years in fe- at feature animation. and uh, Oh, Disney wow. Well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyhow. Well, ironically, I know very little about Disney animation because uh, Disney is very proprietary about their uh, their mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, the I worked for a gallery called Great American Inc. that sold a lot of the original production sales and things like mm-hmm. that. And Disney was not uh, you know letting Disney those loose. Did,
1: you know? uh, years and years ago, before those became really famous, Disney was throwing them away. Throwing you know, them, them away, Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Warner
2: Brothers did the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And so yeah. my mom uh, was working for like this one person animation company in Miami on the side, there was somebody who was buying these like cells that were in terrible shape. Like, you know, they were just, they needed to be completely restored. So he would ship them to my mom and my mom would restore those original Disney animation cells to what they should have been like.
2: Anyway, he, um, because I, Knew about art. He's like, look, I'm not supposed to tell you this, and he kind of pulled a computer around and he showed me the sales from the art department. And he's like, that's just one dude. He's like, there's one guy on board, and he's you know bringing in this amount in sales. He's like, I have no idea what his commissions are, but it's got to be probably X or Y. And he's like, you should get into that, man. Uh, I pursued that as well, and so I was pursuing option A to be a cruise director or option B to be a uh, an art auctioneer. The deal with the art auctioneering company was that they're like, we don't want to poach talent. So you have to finish your contract. Naturally, you can't quit or be fired. And I'm like, oh man, I got four more months <laughs> it to go. Started, I don't, it just started last please week. Please let
3: me quit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like,
2: I don't know if I can do it. I honestly didn't know if I could do it. And you know, I'm emailing my girlfriend and I'm like, I love you and all, but man, I don't know if I can do this. A miracle happened one day. I was up on the second floor, way, way in the back. They gave me the shit section. The maitre d got on the mic and he said, uh, Carnival has an excess number of waiters waiting in Miami. If anybody wants to finish their contract early, please come see me. Oh, and by the way, there's only like four positions. I ran to the balcony and I leaned over it and I shook my fist and I proclaimed from on high, I will murder any motherfucker that gets in line in front of me.
1: I will destroy you
2: unlike anything you have ever seen. The wrath of God will smite down upon thee if you get in my way. And uh, surprisingly, nobody was in line in front of me. And uh, I remember real the real Samuel,
3: Samuel L. Jackson
2: situation. Uh, I totally,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> And and the maitre d' you know he's he's all casually he's a British guy and he's looking down on his clipboard you know and I'm standing towering over him panting because I ran all the way down and he just casually looks Brian I thought you might be interested so I got off right away I went to the the auctioneer thing and uh, within a few which, months I was back at sea so, which auctioneer company was it Parkwest uh, Parkwest I worked for yeah I worked for Parkwest for uh, what
3: uh, almost three years. Yeah. didn't didn't johnny lovin work for park west
0: well uh bob leininger johnny logman yegos i think uh
1: laura lieberman maybe no
3: no laura was
0: it. yegos and and uh bob leininger
1: the funny thing is all the people that i know that ended up working at park west or at what those auctioneer houses didn't know a lick of any art history right right like that was a problem
2: It was a problem that I knew stuff. Uh, you yeah. know, I was told told right away, forget all that shit.
1: Yeah. You know, they're
2: like, you're a used car salesman, man. Get out there and honk a horn and sell, you know, hand out balloons. <laughs> you know, they're like, don't don't you dare talk about art.
1: Oh, so uh, did you and only Jeff, uh... stay on Carnival? Like working for Park West, did you move to other brands? Because,
2: ah, you know what? I went back. To Carnival Conquest. Uh-huh. So Stig was not there anymore. You see year old, old buddy? I saw both maitre d's And the art office that we had, the, the gallery, was right next to the dining room. I was fast-tracked pretty quickly as an art auctioneer. And, you know, those guys are rock stars. And I had a really nice suit and a cigar in my pocket. And I just... Saw them both standing there by the front podium talking and I you know just kind of sauntered up. I was thinking as I was walking up, what am I gonna say? And then I realized right as I got up there, I'm not gonna say anything. Well, like an extra we all know. Of food,
0: sir. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like we all you know what your prime rib. Yeah, you know? no, but you don't want you don't want to mess with somebody who's bringing your food out. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And, and so no, no, it's no. like
2: I'm not I had nothing bad to say. So I just said, guys, you know, good to see you. And they, you know, looked at me and my nice very expensive suit and they're like I and I remember Suresh turned to Fabrice and he just said I think we always knew Brian would do okay and he's like yeah and I'm like yeah (laughs) and that was it I walked away and I never saw him again and I'm like you know I I don't need your stinking stripes
1: (laughs) yeah
0: when you were uh, you know doing the waiter thing or the art auctioneer thing and stuff do you guys ever like you know Play games at each other or like set each other up or punk anybody or hook up with a passenger or anything? No. Well, that was speaking of the hooking up thing. That was now, I've seen now because I've, I've seen your your 60 minutes uh, YouTube video. OK, yeah, yeah.
2: 2020, 2020. <laughs>
1: 2020. What did it's I say? Thing,
2: <laughs> what did I say? The thing is 60, 60 minutes. minutes. 60 minutes. Oh, okay. I would have liked that, too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was there specifically to be with my girlfriend. Right. And I was 30. So I wasn't a 20 year old kid. Can you imagine, I'm sure you can, the desire for a green card will prompt ladies to offer anything. Anything and everything. My door was getting knocked on every night. You know, the hottest chicks wow. in the world from all over the world offering anything. And super thank ed- God ed- I was 30. No, no, I have not we heard that. no bread.
3: experience with that <laughs> at all. God <laughs> damn. <laughs> but, God, uh, that pisses me off. We have not heard this play
2: yet. Proceed. Yeah, proceed. It, it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, people do anything for green cards. Hard, right we all know that i was the only american that they could they could land but i was 30 and i was head over heels in love with this gal i mean i had look at what i had gone through to be with her i wasn't going to throw that away just to get a quick thing on the side and that's just not my style i was a boy scout
1: the one thing yeah. is we haven't heard unless you know I, I know i've been in and out but we haven't heard how it all ended with this romanian girl
3: yeah that's yeah, what i wanted well, to get to well yeah. how did it end poorly yeah i'm it, uh there
2: was a four-year chase and at the end of four years she allowed herself to be caught finally she would not leave ships And she would Ah. not live outside of Romania. She
3: was a lifer. She was a lifer.
2: You know, she was, we were both 30, you know, and when we met and she's like already been burned once in her life. And she's like, I will never give up control. I... I will always be in charge of my own finances. Therefore, I will continue working at ships. The other thing I just actually, to I found was... another Romanian while I was Did there. <laughs> 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 Not while I was there, but it was afterwards. But because oh, I had funny. lived in Romania with her for all those years, when I wasn't on ships, I was vacationing and living in Romania for that, all that time. And so, after we had broken up, I was on a ship, and there was this very shy Romanian gal. That I was like, hey, I, I can get this gal to talk. i I know how to say a few things in Romanian. for example, yo fuck chai means I make tea. I can lure this lady into conversation and uh, and it worked. and uh, turns out that I ended up marrying her down the road, so it worked out okay.
3: so oh, happy I ending happy ending after all. happy yes. ending after all. yes, yeah, we've just got a a little bit of time left, so let's get to some of our stock questions. Do you have a favorite port?
2: I love all things Greece, you know, uh, when I was on the, I was on the windsurf, which is uh, a sailing vessel, right? The world's largest sailing vessel. And it is tiny, right? It had like 500. Was wind uh, surf, is was windsurf. Is that on barefoot?
0: Barefoot cruises? At that the time, was star? it was, it was Windstar Line, star. Yeah, which Windstar. was under
2: the carnival umbrella at the time. But uh, that was a tiny ship. So we could get into all these dinky ports like Portofino, really dinky. You know, we would dock in uh, Monte Carlo. Dock. I mean, that, that's tiny, right? That's great. And so we got to we got to hit all these amazing tiny ports all around the Mediterranean. And uh Greece is everywhere I went there, It was my favorite. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Least favorite? Ensenada. Sonata. Done what?
1: with Ensenada, yeah. man. No, I'm with what? you on that one. Yeah. You
2: know what? Th- there is a o- little bit over, of... over, over. I got over. a story, though. I- I'm sorry I got a lot of stories. But when I was an auctioneer trainee, that is one of those businesses where, you know, you shadow an auctioneer and his word is God. This guy, his name was Bill Shatner. We call him Bill Shatner because in that line of work, everybody gets fired so quickly. Nobody cares what your name is. They just call you by whoever you look like and uh, because it's a lot easier that way and so bill shatner he looked like bill shatner he loved ensenada and la and we were doing the three four day cruises out of long beach right bill was a very interesting personality he uh loved the ladies he was one of those bullying types and you know the day i arrived he's like you were going to help me get laid he's like you were good looking the last guy was way good looking but he was a reborn Christian and wouldn't get me laid. He's like, if you don't get me laid, you are getting fired. You were going to do what I say. Wow. And in fact, the very first day I signed onto a ship with him, that was Conquest. First day. I skipped all the security stuff I had to do because he said, we're going to Bourbon Street and we're going to the strip club. And I'm like, no, I, I need to do like security things. I need to do safety training. I need to do. He's like, no, no, fuck all that. We're going, we're going to see titties. And so we went to see titties. <laughs> And we came back like two hours late, right? Two hours late. The chief officer wanted to see us when we got, you know, and Bill Shatner bitch slapped the first officer. I could not believe it. He just went in there, strut his stuff, and he's like, see this number? He's like, this is the number in sales that I pull in every week, just me and him. He's like, you know why we didn't do the, the security stuff? Because he's already worked a whole contract on Conquest. He needs to get the equipment and blah, 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 so that he can bring in all that money for you. I mean, he bullied the XO, I couldn't believe it. So of course he bullied the bejesus out of me. And when we were in Ensenada, he just recently at age 45 or whatever, Discovered prostitution and he thought it was delightful. <laughs> and so oh my God. every single time we were in there, which is twice a week, we would go to the strip clubs, which are, of course, our brothels there. And he's like, You were coming with me? Why? It's not like I'm in the room with you or anything. You know, he's like, No, you're going to be my wingman.
0: Oh, you, my know, God. you don't
2: need a wingman because, I, you know, it's it, a sure but thing. But he would bro. always. Yeah, Yeah, he would drag me in there. It's pretty guaranteed. Right, so he would always drag me in there. Half the time I had to pay for the drinks because he would just disappear. So I hated Ensenada. I'm like, (laughs) you know what? I'm pining for my love. And here I'm in strip clubs. Tw- at least twice a week right and, and of course every night that we weren't in a strip club we were up in the with the dancers in the disco on the ship he's always trying to get on them but they're like oh you're a creepy old man no
3: he was he was <laughs> in there getting getting his ass blown <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> Remember getting the yeah. uh, uh blowing up your bum? Who was that, that yeah. was uh, Annette Baden? Uh, Annette Bodden. yeah. Listen yeah. to that episode
1: Annette yeah. <laughs> Biden, cuz it's pretty funny.
3: Never mind. Uh, okay. Right.
2: It was like a blast. <laughs> she was. <laughs>
3: in, in several ways. Um anyway, um okay, we're going to we're going to wrap it up here but um what I always want to kind of end with is um Working on ships, feel like it changed your life. I'm I'm almost oh, certain yeah. that it did. Yeah, it did. And for,
2: mean, the batter,
3: uh, for the better. For the better. Working on ships absolutely improved my life for the better
2: for a lot of reasons. Um, I did subsequently become a full-time writer because of it, which was always my dream. So that's cool. And, you know, I became a national bestseller writing about it. So that's cool. Talk about awareness of the world. The whole world is there. And it's not because you're going to port, right? Especially as a waiter. What, you're in the same ports over and over again for an hour. You just get drunk. No, it's because under the waterline, there's 60 nationalities, man. And they say you're not supposed to talk about politics and religion. But of course, that's what you talk about. And everybody wanted to talk to an American because they can't talk to the guests. They're like, wow, what's it really like living in America? You know, do they really give everybody a gun when you're born and a job? (laughs) No and no, you know, and they're shocked at both of those. But uh, it was just, and, you know, really, because I had such a really hard time on ships, I became a man. Man, I knew exactly how tough I could be. I mean, man, 15 weeks in a row working 100-hour weeks?
0: After that, uh, I can handle anything, man. How long was your ship life, uh, your ship career? Four years total. Yeah. Four years, give or and, take a few months, and, yeah, and you've hit three amount. or four different cruise lines. How many cruise lines?
2: Uh, all right, so it's been so long. So, I did Carnival, I did Royal Caribbean, I did Radisson, uh, seven star, Radisson um, Diamond.
3: Radisson's not, yeah, around now anymore,
2: it's, it's not around anymore. Windstar, um, uh, Holland America. I think there were six line cruise lines,
0: six, six cruise lines in five years, yeah, four that's years, awesome. yeah, four, four But
2: years. the vast majority was on Carnival. Um, as an auctioneer, I did really well. On carnival ships, and uh, as a waiter in the restaurants, I was in carnival.
0: And what, what ship was it again that you were on, in Royal Caribbean? The Majesty of the Seas. <laughs> so I was brought, we really the, the top yeah. two of us brought Majesty. But
3: out. but he was on there way after we were because he yeah. didn't even start until two thousand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this
2: was two thousand three when I was on uh, when I was on there, and I was only on there about two three months. But uh, oh, that was okay. as an art, art auctioneer, and that was the widowmaker for us. It was brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal (laughs) ship. Uh, They were burning through auctioneers. Like, in Uh, fact, when I arrived, the auctioneer was the only one that had actually survived without getting fired. And he had been there like nine months or something like that. They were scared to let him have vacation because he was the only one making goals. And he was a 29-year-old Canadian. He would get drunk every night. He was so burnt out. And I just met him. And he's like, man, I'm so stressed. You Crippling remember his stress. name? When well, you, I don't want to yeah. remember his name because of what he said afterwards. Because he said, man, I can't even get it up. He's like, I can't even get it up <laughs> Stress is killing me. And he's like, I'm 29, man. He's like, I should be banging all the babes. <laughs> they all want me. I'm loaded with money, but I can't even get it up. I'm sorry. Thanks uh, for letting me know what I'm getting into. <laughs> he was well, a great guy, though.
1: Scott and I brought out the ship. And then I remember when they first started the art auction uh, program on board, because they did it like at a trial run. We actually had a, a crew art auction because they had leftover stuff and they had a crew art auction. So he mm-hmm. ended up saying, hey, pick out pick out what you want. And... Take it. Uh, so I still have those, that art. Nice. Somewhere. Yeah.
0: Anyway, cool. That's so, that's so wild. Yeah, let, yeah, let me tell man, you just this quick story. Just so weird. So this is completely off subject, but it's art. And for the art people, you would, you would find this uh, kind of funny. So, you know, we're like, I'm a filmmaker and producer here in Oklahoma. A friend of mine, he was hosting somebody filming at his house and it's all museum. Like it's all gray and white and marble and beautiful house. And they're like, Hey, uh, do you have anything that we could put on the walls for this last shot or this shot that we're doing and you know, something colorful. And he's like, yeah, I, I think so. Let me, let me, it's in a closet. Let me go get a closet. He brings back a Picasso <laughs> out of this fucking closet and, uh, and he brings it back here and there and we're like, Oh, that's, that's a, that's a, where'd you get that? And he's like, I bought it as an investment uh, about that uh, about 15 years ago and we're like, what? well, wait a minute, investment. That's not real, is it? He's like, yeah, it's, it's absolutely real. I've got all kinds of people. I've got like four files and a whole drawer full of, of documentation on it. Wait a minute. So my first question is, how the fuck do you have a Picasso? And secondly, why is it in your closet? <laughs> <laughs> and you live in Moore, Oklahoma, which is Tornado Alley. I'm like, wow. Like we were all like, Oh my God, no, don't put that. So now actually we're going to make a a comedy movie about it's called finding it. It will be called finding Pablo. And it's about like a dumb and dumber movie of us. uh, Two of us, him and I are the, will be the main characters. And we're, we're trying to steal his Picasso. You know, there, there you go for the art people, you know,
3: you you never know what you find (laughs) in your closet. I'm glad we got one in there for the art people.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, I yeah, like they need any help. Hey, uh, yeah. so
0: last, uh, last thing here, uh, Brian. So uh, give us a plug, uh, plug your stuff. Uh, um, tell us where to find your book and, and website, phone numbers, whatever, whatever you want to do. I wrote, ended up writing four books about my
2: ship life. Cruise Confidential was a national bestseller that narrates my time being a waiter and an assistant maitre d' on Carnival Cruise Lines. A uh, true wild story. And you can get it anywhere books are sold. I'm a big fan of the audiobook. I needed a guy that could do 60 accents because I can't. I
3: found a guy <laughs> oh. could do 60 accents. Scott, Scott can do a Scott couple. Scott can do all the accents. Just, Every, 40, accent. just 40,
1: 45. No, 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 no. He does like oh, two or three. Next book, okay. I'm talking to you. No, no, no. Two or three of them are okay. The rest are just. But- Awful.
2: When you get the, the accents, I had flashbacks when I was listening to the book. I, I couldn't right. believe it. I felt like I was below decks again. So if you want the flavor of what it's like to be on a cruise ship, for those who, whatever, below deck life, Cruise Confidential Audiobook. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Cool.
3: That sounds like right up my alley. I need an audiobook. Guys, let's wrap it up here because uh, Scott's got a lot of editing to do. So... Yeah, I got to cut this gotta, down
0: to 15 minutes.
3: Yeah, he's got <laughs> to right. cut it down to 25 <laughs> right. no, minutes. No, about, about 30 minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's been great talking, though. This
3: it's has gonna been be a great. lot of fun. Yeah, thanks yeah, for coming
1: yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. so much for joining.
3: Yeah, this is what we're doing. We're trying to get all these ship stories in as many as we can until we give up about uh, you know everybody's story about uh, being on ships. We want to hear yeah. them all, so. We got to get, get
0: all this down before you know. Now that we're over fifty, we're all over fifty quite a bit. So uh, um, we we got to you know document it so when we start losing on our- I <laughs> took
3: notes. All right. Well, thanks, <laughs> Brian. Thanks Thank thanks you so much. Thanks so Great much, guys. You. So, it so much. It was it was loads of fun having you on here. We really really appreciate you coming on and telling your ship story. All right. I'll right, we'll See
1: you. Bye. Oh man, that
3: was fun. Yeah. You know what's really crazy
1: is that. Okay. You know how hard it is when we all first start on a ship and you know your brand new environment and all this stuff but we all started when we were really young so not only was he the only american in a department that was didn't have americans but he started when he was 30 and like that is just even that much harder because you know you start 30 is still young you start to get stuck in your you know you have your own way of doing stuff and adapting to that sort of environment is a little bit harder the older you get and so if I hadn't done it straight out of college I don't think I ever would have been able been able to do it. No. Um, so that that makes it even tougher the fact that he did that starting at 30
3: I've been in some tough, tough situations and I got the hell out of there as soon as I could. <laughs> I was on the topaz and that was just horrible. And I I took the first I was I was out of there. And the hotel manager who who was a good friend of mine, he says, like Brad, they're gonna fire you. So just hang in there for a couple of months, just wait to get fired. And that way you're not having to buy your own plane ticket home. You know, all this stuff. Just give me one month and and I'm going to fire you. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> deal! <laughs> oh my God.
0: Hey everyone, the ship is about to set sail. Which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast and video, please visit our YouTube channel, my ship story you can also find us on facebook and instagram as my ship story don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member and if you have a story that you would like to tell or if you like you can email us your story for us to read on the air email us at my ship story podcast at yahoo.com that's my ship story podcast at yahoo.com goodbye for now and be sure to tune in next week same time as we'll have a new podcast every monday bon voyage